um, that was that was what I felt was wrong. I felt that the 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 narrative of Paris was great men with bad women. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Low Season, a podcast about tour guides, tourism, and the future of travel. I'm Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide from Berlin, and currently I'm gauging how my fellow international colleagues are navigating the pandemic. In today's show, we have a conversation with Heidi Evans from Paris. While she's not currently in Paris, when the pandemic hit, Heidi decided to flee to the south of France and wait until things got better. Heidi is originally from London, has been a guide for over six years in Paris, and has her own tour guiding business that is exclusively focused on women's history of Paris. But first, Heidi, where are you holding up specifically? The south of France, it's um, just down the coast from Saint-Tropez. So it's like literally sort of, you know, the next little town or one of the next little towns. Uh, it's, not, it's not really a town, it's, it's just like a little um, cluster of, of houses really around a beach uh, in a little valley. It's beautiful here. Um, and I found that the quality is best outside even though you have the birds and the, you can hear probably somebody on a lawnmower or something over there. So, so t- tell me a bit about why why you decided to not stick this one out in Paris. Like, wh- when did you realize, like, oh, oh this is gonna be bad. I I don't want to be I don't want to be stuck here. Um, my situation in Paris is, um, I have a small. It's not small, but it's you know it's a Parisian apartment. It's a studio. And it's essentially one big room and then there's a bathroom. Um, I don't really even um, see much of the sky from my window. Like You can see the sky, but you can also see the building just next door. Um, and I just thought for me- mental health, it wouldn't be ideal to be stuck there. The other alternative was to stay at my boyfriend's, um, who has more space, but he also has a housemate. And we thought maybe three of us cooped up together in in the apartment would be would be quite a test have you have you been in touch with uh, some of your paris friends oh yeah 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 i mean um i know it's been it's been really tough now now it's easier for people because um they've relaxed the measures um people can go out more they don't have to carry a piece of paper around saying what they're doing with their address and everything on that they can sort of be tracked with um so I know that there's a lot of relief <laughs> from some people in Paris, um, but yeah, it's it's been really it's been really really tough. Are you are you dreading the day that you're going to have to be tour guiding again? <laughs> um, no, I'm not dreading it. Um, no, I think I think it would be nice um, to to get back to work. I think I mean one thing that. Um, has crossed my mind and will be hopefully being uh, will we'll hopefully be able to do once I get back to Paris is um, start a virtual tour. Um, so that's sort of on the on the cards, and then I think there will be the odd tour. I think there will be some tours over the summer. Um, it's not going to be a normal summer, but um, I can't. I can imagine. I can imagine that things will be relaxed. To a point where we can at least lead a small group of people around the streets. Well, I always say I can't see a moment in this summer or maybe this year where 
I, I would be able to sustain myself from tour guiding. I think that's the main that's the main issue. Have you have you been yeah how 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 have you been holding up sort of financially? Are you getting any help from the French government? Did you have some savings? Is your boyfriend working? How 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 does that work? No, my boyfriend doesn't work at the moment. He's on a um what's called chômage, so that's where you get government money for being unemployed and when you've when you've sort of earned you know this through the well through working then you can get what's called chômage anyway so he's he's had that since the beginning of this year anyway um so it's kind of good timing for him in a way and i have been receiving some government aid which is available to freelancers um it's not a huge amount of money but it definitely helps and i've also been teaching english online is that something you already already did before um I was actually teaching a little bit. So you know what it's like in the low season anyway. As a tour guide, you know, you usually have to pick up a bit of extra work, or at least I do, and um, or go away. And, you know, I was planning, I was actually planning a trip um, to potentially Colombia in March. Um, but it obviously didn't happen. Um, but, you know, English uh, teaching in Paris is really, really popular. And uh, very much um, sought after. I mean, there's a lot of people wanting English lessons. So I was actually teaching face to face. I was going into a school or two different schools and teaching in front of a class. And that's just um, been moved online now. So I'm teaching over the internet, a group of sometimes 25 kids. You were saying, um, you know, you know it yourself that during the low season, you have to find something else to do. Whereas, to to be honest, um, in Berlin, especially over the last couple of years, I, I found it um, possible um, to sort of sustain yourself as a full time guide. Not only because there is so much work in the high season that you just work out flat out every day, but also because there's hardly any low season in Berlin to begin with. I mean, we have maybe November that's a bit quiet. December is quite busy again because of the Christmas markets. And then maybe January and February are a bit slow-ish. But end of February, things sort of start out again, you know. And I don't know, are you, are you capable of sustaining yourself full-time as a guide in Paris? Um, I really think it depends um, who you work for. And I used to work for a company that was so big that, yeah, you could still kind of sustain yourself. Although, yeah, things definitely did get a lot quieter in um, end of January, February, beginning of March. Things pick up again around Easter, spring break. But there are definitely slow periods in Paris. I'm also, I'm also thinking because Paris is such an ex expensive city. It is an expensive city, yeah. Yeah, it is. Um but I think also if you, um, so not not only do things get quiet, but things also get very difficult as a tour guide, I think, in the winter. And leading a group of people around the streets, if that's what you do, for three hours is really not pleasant in the winter. Um, so I So I prefer to do different work. I will do that sometimes, but I don't want to spend my entire week outside. Um, you know, wearing like 16 layers and freezing my butt off. You know, I'd, I'd rather be inside teaching <laughs> than, than outside. Well, you, you've also uh, been pivoting to 
um, your own business. Uh, you have started uh, Women of Paris, um, and I think not too long ago. Uh, is that something you maybe also occupy yourself with during the low season? Oh yeah, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. But but again, um, you know, there's a there's a there's a slow period in the in the low season, um, and. <clears throat> and you know, I, I would say that it's kind of like day and night, really low season to high season. A, a week in June, um, you're going to have six, seven tours, um, and you know, with with other guides working that I um, work with, um, in the low season it'll be like two. You know, two will be like a good week. <laughs> yeah, t- tell me a bit about your your business. I became a tour guide in Paris about six years ago. In fact, yeah. Probably about, yeah, exactly six years ago. And um, I found that we talked a lot about these great men of French history. Um, you know, you've got all the kings, you've got very obviously Napoleon, Napoleon the first and third, and um, you know, lots of great artists and writers. And Paris is kind of known as a city where you can go and visit the tomb of Napoleon, you can go and visit the um, house of Rodin, the famous sculptor, you can see the paintings of Monet. Um, And then, if you think about all of the sort of most famous women that will be talked about usually on a a sort of like introductory tour of Paris, you're going to have Marie Antoinette, who was the queen of um, France in the 18th century, um, married to Louis the Sixteenth, known notorious, um, notoriously to be, um, you know, a sort of horrible, evil, um, you know, cruel, cold-hearted bitch. Let's say. Sorry. I know. I knew you were leading up to that one. <laughs> but uh, but you know that's uh, that's her reputation. Um, there's also um, Catherine de Medici, and it's actually possible to see her impact on the city you know architecturally married a medici as well two italian um queen regents whose husbands died and then so they took over and they both have bad reputations as well particularly catherine so um that was that was what i felt was wrong i felt that the 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 narrative of paris was great men with bad women or, you know, women who are defined by the men um, in their life. So, you know, you have maybe Simone de Beauvoir, quite a famous French woman um, who, you know, wrote a very uh, important, like, feminist text. You know, she's often known as, like, the girlfriend of Jean-Paul Sartre. Or, um, I'm trying to think of another example. Um, Quite, quite a lot of the women don't stand on their own so much. And so that's why I wanted to, to just focus on them and to really understand the true history of Paris that wasn't so one-sided. Yeah. What do you, do, do you, do you, do you think you're going to be a, a, a tour guide in general? Were you actually a tour guide still? Were you more like running your business or were you still a tour guide? And if you are, do you still see yourself doing this in a, in a couple more years? Um, so I had taken the decision the end of, or the beginning of last summer to really, really focus on women of Paris, um, because I found that it was kind of a a catch 22. I was running women of Paris. I was doing those tours, but I was also 
needing to do other chores in order to sustain myself. As you said, Paris is an expensive city um, and it was necessary to keep working for other people in order to, you know, keep the money coming in. But at the same time, doing that didn't allow me the enough time to really like focus on Women of Paris and give it, you know, all that it needed, all the attention that it needed. So I decided that I needed to, to take a step back from the other work. The problem, you know, since I've become a tour guide, I've been faced with, and you know, I, I would say not just me, obviously it's every one who works in the tourism industry, um, particularly in Paris, has suffered so many um, damaging events that have then like really impacted the tourism industry. You know, coronavirus definitely takes the biscuit. It is the <laughs> absolute killer of, of tourism. But up until this point, there have been other um, situations. For example, strikes. Um, I don't know if you kept up with that. Like there was about, what was it, two months of transport strikes in France around Christmas. So that really killed the business over Christmas and then into the new year. Um, we've also had, unfortunately, um, very uh, awful terrorist attacks that, uh, you know, caused like huge, huge damaging impact on the um, on the tourism industry. Um, and Gilets Jaunes, the yellow vest movement. Um, so I think I've just realized how fragile the industry is. Um, and I think, I think that this, this latest disaster has actually kind of opened people's eyes to how travel could, can be and how it can look and, you know, virtual travel. And that, that's one reason why I'm quite interested and keen to, to, to roll out a virtual tour and just to see how that goes. Um, not, not saying that, you know, people shouldn't be traveling or that, you know, people should just stay at, their, at home and experience life from their computer screen at all. You know, I'm not, I'm not uh, of that opinion, but I do think that, you know, there's something in that and that, you know, this is something, this is kind of a fallback when, when we inevitably have these 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 issues that then you know really really severely damage our our livelihoods and and I don't know if you've had the same in in Berlin um, I guess not to the extent that Paris has had I I'm just thinking uh, I'm just thinking that some people might hear this and say well that's just an awful run of bad luck you know kind of the, the because of of course when I talk to tour guides, most of all, they say, well, we have Corona now. We used to have 9-11. We had the financial crash. But if you think about Paris over the last couple of years, you're absolutely right. That's that's an awful lot of horrible events that had a major impact on it. And I'm wondering, one of, one of the conversations I've been having a lot with guides at the moment is this idea of precarity, this idea of like how fragile the industry of tourism, of travel is in, in times of crisis. Um, but then the the obvious argument is, yeah, but how often does that happen? You know, um, you're experiencing this firsthand. So I think in, in that sense, you're maybe a bit more aware of it than people say in, in, in Berlin or in, in other major cities. Yeah. And but Paris is also a city that I would argue its economy runs off tourism in a big, big way. Um, and if you think about 
what kind of fuels the city. It's it's restaurants, it's cafes, it's hotels, it's the museums. Um, you know, Paris is a bit of a museum, really. It's it's not so much a city. I mean, Fashion Week, yes. Um, you know, that that's the sort of current event that draws people. Um, and, you know, there is an art scene. There is a bit of a music scene. But it's not this, it's not a city that people go to really... Um, it, it's more of a city that people go to visit to learn about the past and what it was in the past. And I think that Paris is, has had its heydays um, and it's not really there still. We already had somebody on the show saying that um, many cities, in fact, are living of the past and they're not creating any new things. And eventually that will kill the cities in, in some way or form, which is very sad. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know exactly what also the the answer is to that. You know, curb the tourism streams, um, sponsor new or or fund more initiatives, um, keep the city sort of uh, or certain parts of the cities not accessible to what foreigners or tourists. You know, those are very draconian measures. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I yeah, it's it's true that so many cities are falling. Um, sort of victim to, to it's the, their own sort of success in tourism um, and this, the people that inhabit that city are really struggling um, to think of a, an example is Lisbon I mean Lisbon um, I've been there a couple of times in the last two years um, visiting friends and um, you know I understand that the, the rent prices have gone up sort of by double in the last couple of years just because of um, just because I mean it's basically Airbnb and, and like and, you know, similar organizations that are sort of pushing, pushing the rent prices up. <clears throat> I mean, Paris has always been expensive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I would, I would, um, I would agree with you. I think, I think that maybe these cities are too, yeah, too, too centered on driving economy um, and not on driving um, sort of art or yeah I mean like something something that's kind of l living yeah like a contemporary city basically like a city that actually uh, lives produces and and um, yeah is a life in that sense I mean I remember being struck when I moved to Paris um, that it was a city that felt lived in um, so I grew up in London and I mean I grew up in in North London but what was what was interesting to me was that Paris you, is a residential city. People live everywhere in the city. It's not like in London where you know you you know you do have people living in, in the centre of town. But I mean, who on earth can afford that? And it's a lot of you know like third, fourth properties. It's people moving or just putting their money into property in the centre of London because you know that's that's a that's a that's a a nice little base for your money. But it's actually you you walk around central London and on the weekend and it's dead. Whereas Paris is, is alive. I found I found that very much, um, yeah. and I found that quite striking. <laughs> I I really really appreciate your um, yeah sort of your your candor and you speaking about your own business and of course the situation in Paris. And um, 
yeah, maybe um, in the future we could speak again, see how things have developed and where your mind's at. It, maybe you've done already a couple virtual tours by then. And yeah, I'd love to hear how, how, yeah, how you're getting on. Okay, cool. Well, good luck to you. Thank you so much, Heidi, and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Great. Thank you. Bye. 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 Heidi Evans from the south of France, everybody. Now, back in January, before the coronavirus hit us, I sat down with three other Berlin guys to talk about what precarity means in our occupation. What can cause us harm as tour guides and what external forces can impact the way we work? Now, we came up with a list with a whole bunch of potential yeah, risks, some more realistic than others. The virus was actually on the list, but at that point, no one really believed that it would seriously influence our industry. Other items on the precarity list were terrorist attacks, strikes, rioting, and demonstrations in the city. Now, at first, these bullet points seemed rather unlikely and far-fetched, but one has to just look at the past few months to see that these things happen way more frequently than we all assume. And when they do, tourism is the first thing to go and the last thing to come back. So when we consider a lifelong career in the tourism industry, we have to consider that when the railroads break down, when the airport closes, when a terror attack occurs, however unlikely these situations might seem at first, it is our business and hence our livelihoods that will be affected. Now, if you want to continue this discussion, if you want to talk about this particular area of precarity, drop by in our Facebook group called The Low Season Real Talk. I regularly post bonus content and polls in here to gauge how all of us are feeling about these topics. If you want to know more about Heidi, she's currently back in Paris again, organizing tours of her beloved city. You can book an excursion with her at womenofparis.fr, but you can also find all of her credentials in the show notes. On Wednesday, we're back with Bonita Rhodes from Prague. And I'm not going to say that there isn't wealth here and poverty, but there's less of it. Um, the Czech Republic has one of the smallest wealth gaps in the developed world right now. And I think that's civilized. I like that. I like the way that feels. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork is by CC White. Georgia Ryungu is playing the Instagram fiddle. Speak soon, my friends. Marie Antoinette, who was the queen of um, France in the 18th century, um, married to Louis XVI, known notorious, um, notoriously to be, um, you know, a sort of horrible, evil, um, you know, cruel, cold-hearted, 